G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. Today we're going through the must-have midfielders as well as all the other popular mids and whether they're possible, probable, or we're passing on them. Let's go! G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. And joined with me to talk some mids today, Luke, how are you, man? Yeah, I'm going good. We said we wouldn't do it again, but we're, we're back on the morning podcast. <laughs> Early morning. morning podcast. Hopefully we can say the right names and avoid cussing out our <laughs> listeners and everything today. So, Speaking uh, of our listeners, how about those fellas that joined us for a bit of a draft oh, yesterday? Yeah, how fun. That was, uh, that was a, that was a big success, I thought. Uh, what did you, what did you think of your team? Mate, yesterday was, a straight up roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> I, I don't, there was points there where I would just want to give up. Yeah, and then after you know, after looking at it and sitting on it for a bit, I think uh, I think I'm somewhat happy with my team. Yeah, yeah. I think um, when you've been playing classic for so long, yeah. you expect your team to just look exactly how you want it to look. Yeah, yeah. Whereas draft, you have to. Well, you're at the it, mercy of other people drafting. Yeah, you? you just yeah. have to acknowledge that some things are going to go wrong. So yeah, um, you're going to be strong in some places, not others. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been funny to be a fly on the wall yesterday when we were drafting. <laughs> hey, yeah, was, well, we haven't done much draft content yet, so no. um, <laughs> this is sort of us sort of putting out, getting our feet wet a little bit, dipping our toe in the water, and um, just sort of giving it a go. But I think in the future, I'd love to be doing some more draft content so yeah I don't yeah I, I don't know how we'll go but it was fun regardless who, who, was, your, who was your first pick remind me uh, uh, was it no it wasn't Bont um, where did you was, have you had pick oh, 11 Cogs. I picked yeah, Cogs okay. you had so, pick 11 uh, Cogs and then Bont on the way back yeah I had to snaffle a Ford because yeah, that's they just right. went they so went quickly didn't 12, they? 12 team league and yeah. Uh, so yeah it went the Fords went quick I had pick 6 managed to get my boy Taranto there I was pretty happy with that yeah. and then uh, and then went a Dawson on the way back so no mids until I, I don't think I got a mid till my 4th round so a little bit uh, light on there but we'll see how we go we'll keep you guys updated as the season goes along on the draft league and I, and we've got a bet actually oh yeah we do yes. yeah so, once Mitch found out that his team was better than mine he wanted to bet <laughs> no no ridiculous no. before once I knew I had a better draft position <laughs> uh, so yeah yeah, cutting on the line, end of the season. Yeah, but whoever see, finishes you drink, higher. You drink Stonies, so I gotta cough up. I just, oh, yeah, I just yeah, drink yeah. the cheap beers that put yeah, hairs get, on your get chest. Get something a bit more expensive, <laughs> yeah, cash in. Should we quickly shout out the fellas who are joining us? Just, you know, thank you for joining us in the league. Yeah. I've got names here, so. Oh, yeah, go, go for it. So, um, Zach, thank you for joining us with Farmer Wants a Fife. We also had Nathan with Eskies Elite. Uh, Kevin, bombing out, thank you for joining us in the, in the draft. We had Ryan, Rosie between two thorns. Uh, Riley with his raptors there. Uh, Mark was the blind squirrels. Uh, we had Brendan, whatever it takes to win a final, apparently. And then uh, our good mate Dion uh, with Ask Reeves. I think I covered everyone there. So thank you so much for joining us in the draft, guys. We really appreciate it. And thank you for listening to the show as well. Yeah, and no, I appreciate it. And thank you, everyone, who's been dropping some uh, reviews and ratings over on Apple Podcasts. There's been some really funny ones. Um, maybe uh, stick around to the end. We might read out a couple of couple of good reviews there because there were some. We asked for some creative reviews, mm. and there was some, there was some very creative reviews. So thank you very much, guys. If you are enjoying the show and 
everything we've done in the preseason. Coming up to the season now, still um, would appreciate any ratings and reviews over on Apple Podcasts. And uh, keep hitting that subscribe button if you haven't already. We're getting closer, Luke. We're yep. getting close to 750 now. Um, three quarters. We're nearly three quarters of the way there. So still on the road to 1,000 subs. So guys, if you haven't already and you are enjoying all the AFL fantasy content that we're pumping out, hit subscribe over on YouTube. But let's uh, get stuck into it. The midfielders, um, let's talk about our locks because for the the position that has the most amount of players on your field, there's almost the least amount of locks (laughs) in this position. So it's, it's very, very wide open. And the landscape... Even just tracking these ownership numbers over the past like one or two weeks has changed dramatically. So um, let's go through the locks first. And yeah. I really can only say three locks in this line, and they're all rookies. So the locks, in my opinion, are Will Ashcroft, the number one lock in your AFL fantasy team, 63% owned. Cam McKenzie, uh, 44% owned. And Will Phillips at 42% owned. So... To me, you have to have those rookies. They seem like the standout rookies that are going to generate the most cash this season. Um, whether or not you have them all on your field is maybe a different question. But yep. your thoughts on those rookies and can you see a scenario that any one of them... I mean, I guess it's hard to tell where they don't sort of where perform. Not a lot. Oh, I mean, there's always a scenario there with the rookies, isn't yeah. there? I mean, we saw last year, even with the three guys, that they were still yeah, locked in Ward our team. Yeah, was so, a bit, you know, Yeah, yeah it was a bit hit and miss. But oh, I agree with you. You have to start with those three rookies because, you know, everyone else is going to start with them. And interestingly, with the forward line and the back line... It, Teams are starting to look reasonably similar in a lot of ways, but yeah. the midfield for me is it can be a bit of a matter of personal preference in some midfield cases. Midfield and R two, I think, are going to be the things that really change people's seasons yes. this year. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be the most diversity in teams. So, um, again, without sort of saying anything else is a lock, there was close to maybe a couple other guys that I thought, in my opinion, should be locks, but clearly are not represented in the ownership <laughs> percentage. Um, so uh, You love childs. You yeah. love childs. You love yeah. children. Yeah, so, um, yeah, good, good grammar there. Good English there, Luke. <laughs> Teacher, eh? <laughs> Who is this guy? Um, but, yeah, so, and I, I'm looking at my midfield right now, and all of my premium mids that I would say are keepers for the league are either 10% or lower in ownership. So, without yeah. even really trying... Trying it, I have a really unique midfield, and mm. we talked about at the start our philosophies not trying to be unique for being for the sake of being unique. Well, my midfield is pretty bloody unique. I don't think I'm, it's for the sake of it, but you're no, not doing it. No, for the I sake don't think so at all. Yeah. It's just it's just to sort of show that yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different variations of mids going around. So yeah. let's go through the major options out there, and starting at the top of the tree with the highest ownership percentage of all other players, James Warple, the Warpedo at thirty percent owned. That's risen since his game. Uh, I yeah. think it was down low twenties. It has. We, we talked to we talked to Mini Monk when he had him on about um, about the narrative, and yeah. I think if people are selling themselves on the Warple narrative, I, I don't necessarily. I'm not going to jump in and steer them yeah. clear, but I think there is a narrative that you can sell yourself on there. There's even. Th- th- when a guy gets this highly owned at 30%, there's even now more of a narrative because you can sell yourself on the fact that there's safety in the numbers. safety numbers, yeah. So, if he burns, yeah, like you're in the same boat with a lot of other people. Yeah, yeah. Th- there is. So, Warple, um, definitely an option. Not one that we've sort of entertained throughout the preseason. I, yeah. think, I think there's still a couple of options that um, are, or at least... You know, one option and, that are and, yeah. a bit cheaper as well, potentially yeah. to save you some cash. So, um, for me, I'm I'm not going to say that Warple's a straight pass um, with that high ownership, but I'll let's say possible. Yeah, 
I'm going to straight up say pass. Yeah, uh, I, think, I, I thought that might be the case. I, I think there's no scenario that I go with a Warpool in my yeah. team. I think there's players who are a little bit more expensive and some that are a little bit cheaper that I just prefer myself and find myself gravitating towards. Yeah. Um, look, he could come out, and I, I am going to put my hand up and say that there is definitely a scenario where he comes out and just says that, Guys, what were you doing not picking me? Yeah. I'm priced at 45. I'm going to go 95. I'm 50 points unders. Yeah. There is, of course, that scenario. I just, um, in terms of the way I want to structure my midfield, I really only have room for one of those mid-price kind of players. And for me, a guy that we're going to talk about later, it's Dom Sheed. It's someone yep. that I can rely on a lot more. The variability and the risk associated with Warple to me is really high. Um, and so I feel comfortable taking on a player like that at such a high ownership. Like if he comes out and scores 10 and 30% of the comp well, has him, that's, that's a huge leg up for me if I don't have him. I've got a Dom Sheed or someone like that. Yep. Uh, I'm happy doing that. And if he goes huge and it looks obvious that he's going to be in the team for a long time, then he's still at a cheap enough price point that I could jump on. And, and it could be a little bit of a restructure for me to get there. So that's what I was going to say to you as well is, you know, you can have a look. Yeah. What, how many weeks does that look like for you? So if, if he comes out and does... This is a, a tough one. Yeah, if he comes and does a 95 in round one... 95 won't do it for me. Okay. He would so, have to come out and, and do, you know, something real big for me to turn my head. And I'd have but, to look at the ab- game and go, oh, that he looks good. Do you know what I mean? It'd have to be an eye test pass because he's always at a risk of A, being dropped or B, just... Butchering the ball so bad that the team doesn't want to give him the ball. Yeah, no, I, I get that. What about then? Let's say, what about a ninety over three weeks? So, like, talk to me about time frame when you're having. Yeah, a look. look, it's it's how long's a piece of string? Um, and, oh. you know, what are the what are the other <laughs> options? Like, you know, it's 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 hard for me to say. Look, there's a possibility. Yeah. It's like okay. what what other options are there? What best suits my team? Um, look, yeah. he would have to really come out and press me and stamp out all the doubts for me to jump on. So there is probably a risk that he like plugs along at a ninety just the first few weeks and it doesn't grab my attention enough that I don't jump on, but he still goes that good and, and maybe I miss the boat. Like it's, it's, Sometimes it's hard to get all of these guys in, yeah. in your team and there, there might be a bunch of different options, but um, to me, just the risk of his downside outweighs the the potential upside that I think he could have, uh, but there is definitely merit in picking him. I just prefer the safety and a few other players personally and... Um, yeah, we'll just. I guess we'll see what happens yeah. when the season starts. But well, talking talking about safety, this next fella, I think most people would consider one of the safest bets in fantasy. Yeah. But, but a lot of teams won't start with him as well. So we're talking about Rory Laird. He's owned by twenty seven percent of teams, and rightly so. He's an absolute jet. That, the, the that issue- has actually dramatically changed. That has doubled in the last sort of month of preseason. Because- I think when I think when people see what he did in the preseason, and I think that the later you get in the preseason, people can just resign themselves to the fact that like, oh, this guy is just. Could he just, yeah. could just take the season away from me? And so they just jump on. Uh, it it surprises me a little bit too. He does cost so much that your other t- the the rest of your team suffers a little bit yep. when you pick him. Um, but you know, I certainly wouldn't be uh, talking people out of it. Yeah, he's just he's someone that I wonder like the ownership percentage if it's jumped up high because maybe a couple of people are coming in late to the and game just and just going, sort oh, of seeing oh bang. yeah mate he's, yeah. he's the highest scoring player let's get him yeah. um, because early on in the season he was sort of like 12-13 percent yeah it does make me feel a little bit more nervous as someone going up against him when the ownership is so high like yeah. he and Doherty I think have risen dramatically yeah. um, the last several weeks um, as sort of the best in their positions but I still will 
I'm definitely saying pass. I just can't I can't find the funds to get a player like Rory Laird and feel comfortable with the rest of my team. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to have him. Like Of course, of course. <laughs> of course and, and you'd hope to have him at some point in the year. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you. I actually saw a tweet um the other day that I thought was good that called for a, a stat on the fantasy website that showed the ownership percentage based on the top 10,000 10, coaches yeah. from the previous years, something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. would be a that nice be little stat to have. Cause I'm not you, sure how you're it's right. done. I'm not the tech guru. but yeah. No, no, it's just interesting because yeah. you, you obviously have a lot of those people who are maybe joining late or who are just joining for a bit of and, a laugh. And we'll or, find, when as soon as that first game starts, the ownership of Carlton and Richmond players will skyrocket because <laughs> all of those autofill teams will just get those players in and it's yeah. sometimes a bit misleading. So we'll go into the season and, you know, Doherty will be 60% owned <laughs> and, you know, Dusty will come up to 20% and all this sort of uh, random stuff. So um, sometimes those general ownership numbers can be a bit misleading. Yep. Um, but yeah, obviously a lot of people are jumping on board and you can sort of see why. Uh, let's talk to you about this next guy here. It's Tom Green. He's he's 24% owned and neither Mitch, if you've been listening, neither Mitch nor myself have been big on him and there's there's one statistical category that we're worried about, and that is Mark. So there's no debating this guy's an inside ball. He, he wins the pill for fun. Um, but it, in my mind, to uh, elevate himself into that top echelon of fantasy scorers into the top eight mids, he needs to add marks to his game, and I'm just not sure whether I'm seeing enough of that yet. Now, in, in the high ownership percentage and at the price point, I'm not going to say he's a complete pass for me, because if... Yep. If I was desperate for cash, for cash somewhere, yeah. I, I might go there. Um, but then I'm getting to the point with my team where who do I take out? I'm, I'm getting quite happy with the guys that I've got in there as well. Yep. Um, so let's say for me, he, he's a possible. I'm not going to completely eliminate it, but um, you know our concerns on Tom Green. So Tom Green, he's, he's an interesting one. Again, he's, he's one of those guys that I see in a lot of teams, and he has been highly owned for a big chunk of the preseason. So he hasn't seen one of those guys that's sort of seen a boost recently. He kind of fits that nice price bracket, which I think a lot of people like to shop for. It's like 750 hey? Yeah, and, and I look... So the, the, the reason I'm, I'm not going to be going with Tom Green is this... I think I personally have a bit of a bias against these kind of players. Like, I didn't go for a Patrick Cripps last season. Yep. Um, you know, Matty Rao was cheap enough for me to go there, but he ended up being a bit of a failed pick anyway and was kind of like what a Tom Green is, at least in my opinion. Yep. Those players that are really, really inside don't um, spread and sort of get their marks... Now, just to put it into perspective, Tom Green averaged 85 last year. He did that on 24 disposals, and he did it on um, 2.7 marks per game. Now, do we see those marks going up in a, in a Richmond-like system? Yeah, it's um, not and, likely, and if not, how many disposals per game does he need to average to be? And I think to, to be a good pick, he has to be 100-plus. He'd almost need um, to have 40 touches a game. Because so, he's got a high handball to kick ratio. He does have a high handball to kick ratio. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, 14 handballs to 10 kicks. So, and I think, yeah, I think that could even be higher this year, more handballs this year in, under that Richmond system. So, yeah. Um, you're passing. So to me, it's a pass. I, I just don't like shopping around this price point. I yeah. don't like shopping around in those guys that are mid-80s. You're expecting to go 100-plus. You're expect, expecting them to put 20 points it's on their, jump at that, on at their that level. price tag. Um, because otherwise, if they don't, if they're mid to high 90s, it's still another trade to get to a premium. Yeah. Um, whereas I like someone like a little bit higher when Tom Mitchell, we thought, was value. Obviously, yeah. I'm not going there now. But like an when LDU. He, yeah, or an LDU, which, which I can yeah. see going mid-100s. Um, those kind of guys, I prefer... 
going for. Um, so wanna... for all of these guys, it's, it's a pass on me for structure. But yeah. of all of them, if you are keen on a price tag like that, I think Tom Green is the guy. And um, if that's what you're going for, I think out of you know a Tom Green, a Chera, a, um, a Chad Warner, all yeah, of those kind Green's of types of players, yeah, uh, Green is the guy for me. Yeah, I want to give some context as well because Mitch mentioned Patrick Cripps before. So last year, um, you know, everyone who who had Cripps was happy to have Cripps. He yeah. did what he was required to do. Oh, so Mitch, it. so you didn't have him at any no, point never throughout traded the year. Yep. Never traded him in. And you were a captaincy choice off winning a hat. So yeah. it kind of, if you're worried about, oh, if I don't go Tom Green, I could get completely burnt. No, there's there's avenues that if you don't go these guys that you can still be very, yeah. very competitive. Um, so if you're kind of in that boat where you're thinking, oh, I really need to go, uh, you, you don't. Yeah. You can do it otherwise. I mean, Patrick came out to the start of the season and started averaging 120. Like, yeah, he and was I remember you were... Absolutely braining it. And I yeah. was I was wrapping my head around it. I was yeah. like, what the hell? Like, we were at I, the F1 that week. Do, yeah, do, I, do yeah. I jump on? Do I jump on? I, said, I kept going, no, I just can't see it keeping up. And yeah. look, in the end, I did get proven right because by you know, round 9, 10, 11, he started spitting out some 76 to 71s, 89s, 106. So... Those scores were huge at the start of the season, but they did eventually fizzle out. Yep. Um, so that could happen again with a Tom Green. Um, you know, the injury in, in round four helped me as well, but he didn't miss um, much time with that. So, yeah, it's it's one of those things that, for me, just in terms of the players that I like to pick, yep. Tom Green just crosses a lot of boxes there in terms of play style and price points. So. Now Let's this, move on to the yeah. next one here. Yep. Um, Andrew Brayshaw, my my favorite pick of last year for my team at twenty one percent. I asked you yesterday. He's he's a pass for me, by the way. Um, is he a pass for you? He hasn't trained with the boys, so I guess yeah. he has to be, doesn't he? He's. Are we? A, are people a year too late? Like, what's going on? <laughs> people uh, living um, in the past year. Well, yeah. Some people are citing a, a nice draw to start the year. So we obviously play St Kilda to start off, and there's there's tag concerned there but after that um, he goes into quite a friendly little patch Um, I said to you yesterday maybe people are looking at him as like a Laird, but then there's some mental barrier with going over the million. You know, I mean, Brayshaw's yeah, yeah. essentially a million. Yeah, like, like a million don't, don't kid yourself. But yeah. uh, there, there can be that mental battle when of it's course. got the the million in front of it. Maybe yeah, people yeah, don't yeah, want to yeah. go Laird, and they see Brayshaw as the alternative. It, for me, he's just he's too expensive. But he's another guy who, um, you know, there, there's every chance that he comes out and, and proves us both wrong and goes 120, yeah. and then you think, oh well, we never get to him. <laughs> so he could definitely do that. Like he's one of the younger stars up there in the in, in the um, you yeah. know the price range, and um, I think he's he's definitely a gun. He spreads like no other. He's yeah. like one of the best guys at getting plus sixes. He also yeah. tackles hard, yeah. plays um, aggressively. I think his time on ground is lowish. Mm. Um, I think he has room for that to maybe to take a small step forward again. So there is still maybe a. A narrative where there's a bit of upside, but he did come out and score 180 last year. Now that does show ceiling, but it also to me is unrealistic to expect that each year. So that to me kind of like boosts his, his yeah. price up a little bit more than I'm willing to pay. So for me, I still think he's a top eight mid. Um, if you're going to get tagged in round one, to me, that's a flag because then if you get tagged, put up a low score, we can all jump on later as non owners. Yep. Um, so those are all sort of flags for me. And I just think that. I don't know. He broke out last year. I'm not expecting to approve again this year. I still think he's going to be around that 110 mark. Yeah, um, it doesn't strike me as a value. But when you price at 112, yeah, it's sort of... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't feel as confident with him in terms of like a captaincy as maybe some other guys. I think his floor is still a little bit lower than some of those other guys. His ceiling is quite high, but his floor is still a little bit lower as maybe a younger player. 
Yeah, he's going to get be getting um, a fair bit of attention in terms of the the opposition tags, game plan. Yeah. Um, he's clearly their number one guy. Yeah, if you if you're planning uh, to go up against Frio this week, who's the yeah. first guy that you're looking into? Absolutely, it's probably Brayshaw. It's so. Brayshaw. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the next guy. Let's the do first it. bulldog on the list, Jack McRae at eighteen percent. Um, he's been hovering around that mark most of the preseason. I, at the start of the year, thought he'd be higher, but yep. 18%. He came out and had that big score in the last game, which obviously turned a few heads. To me, I sort of think that Jack McRae is going to be the Jack McRae of last year. Well, that's, so this, is the point. this is the point that we've made is is what's changing for him. People yeah. will say, oh, Dunker leaves, he gets more CBAs, but we've looked into those numbers, and, and I don't think that you're well, going to take... It's Trelaw, it's Bont, it's Bailey Smith. Exactly. You're not yeah. going to take McRae from 60% CBAs to 80% when you've got Bont at yep. you know, 45 yeah. to 50%, yeah. so you're going to bump him up to 60%. Yep. So I just think nothing changes for McRae. Yeah, he'll, he, he'll come out, he'll he get his big... He might bounce back. Like, yeah. I've got him you know, bouncing back a little bit. Like I think, you know, what he averaged, 104 last year. I think that can go to maybe 107, 108. Yeah. Right, um, he'll get his big scores, no doubt. Yeah. Um, I just think that there could be more potential upside in some of his teammates, actually. Yeah, me too. And I think that, again, we talk about with these midfield premiums, I know it's very hair splitting hairs, but I like to pick the guys that I like to watch and the guys yeah. that I think um, go about it the right way in terms of going for those tackles, uh, fighting through tags and things like that. And you bring out the protractor <laughs> and the, the head tilt. And the it's protractor, just, yeah. And it's just not something I want to be a part of this year. So for me, I don't see the upside. <laughs> I see the upside on some of the other Bulldogs, which we'll talk about later. You get a so, sore neck, eh? Hey? Like yeah, just around like this. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, we saw in that practice game, he put up 120, but I think the game style suited him. And again, 60% CBAs. He was behind a bot. He was behind a Bailey Smith is behind a Libba in terms of those CBAs. So, like you said, I don't think that's improving. No, I don't um, think so. This next guy is very interesting to me. Um, yeah. Finn Callahan okay. skyrocketing up to 17%. Yeah. He was um, very lowly owned a few weeks ago. One of our. Um one of our listeners listeners on YouTube was um, speaking with me in the comments and um, talking about this fella and, and the fact that I had, I think the quote was, a spud like Toby McLean in my team. Oh, yeah, I think it was versus, a spud like Dunkley. Uh, <laughs> versus Callahan. So, I mean, I, I was I was chatting with this fella and, um, you know, I, I think there's, when Callahan's ownership percentage has now jumped up to 17%, that, that sways me towards him against the Toby McLean because now there's safety in that pick, yeah. a little bit more safety in that pick. I think... When the, I think part of that comment was, oh, Toby McLean's a four, Callahan's a mid, oh, you know, yeah, why yeah, wouldn't yeah. you go the mid? But if we really look at it, they're both playing the same role. They're playing, they're, they're playing they're like a wing thing. role. So yeah. regardless of where you can select them, they're, they're both essentially the same player. Um, and it's not like they're keepers or anything like that, that you, you just pick Exactly. They're just, it's basically just who do you think is score higher? It's a cash cow. So I've, I've kind of moved towards Callahan with those ownership percentages um, and also to readjust my structure to get Dunkley back down to the forward line. Um, Callahan's come in as a midfielder, but I, but I could do that with Toby McLean as well because he's got that mid-status. So, yeah, he, he's a probable for me at the moment, Callahan. Yeah, there's been some there's some positive reports in the preseason. He was exclusively used as a wing in their preseason game. I do see some potential that he gets some inside minutes at some point in the year. Um, how early on is, um, you know, up in the air, but... If you were to line up those sort of guys in a similar price tag, like the Toby McLean, a Tanner Bruin, um, uh, Warple, and a Finn Callahan, to me, Finn Callahan is the choice out of those guys. Yeah. I think he is the youngest of the group. He seems to be the guy that has the highest pedigree as a junior, as a scorer. Yeah. Um, he did look good in the game, uh, in the preseason game. I just think, f- for me, 
Young player on a wing, that equals scoring volatility. He scored oh, yeah. 88 points. He kicked two goals to do it. Um, only yeah. had the one tackle, which on a wing, you'd expect those tackle numbers to potentially be very volatile. Well, we, um, we literally see that volatility in what Toby McLean did in the preseason right. game. And yeah. so, and th- this is the thing. We, like, for the record, Toby McLean's no spud. No, but, no, no, no. But if he comes out and he has a 90 game in the preseason and Callahan comes out and he Flip has a 30... Right around. Exactly. People, yeah. Are, yeah. people are flipping yeah. that narrative. So yeah. as much as we say don't look at scores, it's like human nature that we look at yeah, those scores. 100%. And so we know that Toby McLean can go 90 in yep. a game. He can go 100 plus in a game. Yep. And we know that Callahan can go 35 in a game. But yep. based on these numbers that we see, we, we create this narrative. So it's, yeah. just, it's very interesting. It's, it's, it's all the data we have to go off. So I understand and I get it. Yeah. Um, I but just both for, those teams only played one game. I, I just, for me, Callahan was never someone on my radar, really. So... So I, I don't have the confidence. It's like that left field kind of a pick. I know he's cheap, yeah. uh, but he's still not a rookie cheap. No. So he's still a little bit, and you want him to go maybe, what, 75 to be worthwhile. Um, so to me, it's a pass. But if someone was looking for someone around that price tag and you put up those names again, yeah. I've been recommending Finn Callahan over yeah. a McLean, over a Warpool. As yep. the guy that I would be choosing, so so you're um, you're going to pay up to get this next bloke on our list. I'm assuming I am, yeah. And and it, his name is um, Dom Sheed, and people have just like you said with uh, Tom Mitchell, they're out of the the clown car. Like everyone's jumping ship. And do you and think people are jumping me, ship? I can't understand why. Do you think they're jumping it. ship or they're dropping down a price point? Uh, I think that might be it as well, dropping down the price point. Because that's what to, that's to what I and, yeah. and I'm definitely not jumping ship. I, every yeah. part of me wants to have Sheed, uh, but yeah. I also I, wanted money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Money is hard to come by. So, to me, this was one of the guys that I nearly had in the locks category. I just think that nothing has changed with Dom Sheed in terms of what we had in the preseason. We've had him in our teams for the entire preseason. He's um, someone who's gone mid-90s before. Yeah. He got center bounce for tennises. I think he was right up there as like the second highest yeah, CBA yeah. guy in he the... Yeah, uh, he was there for sure. In the Eagles. Yeah, he was second behind Tim Kelly. Um and just a guy that has ceiling. I know that the um, the team he's on might be doing poorly, but if you're going from a she down to a warper, well, guess what team's going to be doing poorly? <laughs> um, you know what I mean? So, it, like, all these cheap guys, like the Giants might struggle this year as well. Yeah, like, I'm yeah. not, not too keen on that narrative, oh, he's going to be in a poor side. Like, this is a guy who's proven it before. He's got nearly a 30% discount on... Um, his most recent average. He's in our intro thing. He's in our intro kick from the so, boundary. Yeah. Like, to me, <laughs> this is the guy. I'm looking for that, and I said, I've got one mid-pricer in my team. It's Dom Sheed. Nothing to me has changed. Um, yeah, he had a sub-optimal score. What was his actual score? Um, if I just was look right here. Was it like right low here. 70s or something? Or am I uh, being generous there? Yeah, I don't know. Let me... Actually, so, right. yeah, 78. A high 70s. See, that's not even... That's not even that bad, it's man. Awful. Like, it's a preseason game. Like, he's not out there going full guns blazing. Yeah. He's coming off an injured year last year. He just wants to get through to round one. T- to me, nothing has changed for him, so he's locked in my side. I think you'll find people are jumping down a price point, and that probably shows with Callahan's yeah. numbers increasing. Look, I think so. the, the thing for me is whether I have Sheed or Callahan will be dictated by what rucks are named in round one, I think. I think if I can get a, a cheaper yep. Ruckman that I'm confident in, so let's say um, that uh, Mason Cox isn't named, then I can go to Darcy Cameron, which maybe I can do some some fancy stuff yep. to bring in Sheed instead yep. of Callahan. Because um, if if I were to pick one of the two, I, I want Sheed, yep. um, but it depends where I can get that cash from. For example, I, I think she's 20 points <laughs> at least 
better than a Callahan, and um, I just yeah. less volatility. Yeah, too. less volatility. I mean, she does have a bit of volatility, but I think his ceiling, especially in an inside mid role, yeah, um, could be someone that really hurts you if you don't have him at the price point early. If he pops early. Um, he could get away with you pretty quick, yeah, whereas maybe a, those other guys, you might still have a bit more time to jump on. All right, let's move on to the next player here. So, yeah, for me, he's a lock. I know he's probably maybe a possible for you. Um, That's Sheed, we were yeah, saying. Yeah, Sheed, yeah. I, yeah, I was going to say probable for me. Probable? Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's go Clayton Oliver here at 16%. Um, again, just one of those sort of like a Brayshaw, like a Rory Laird, people yep. just picking their M1 sort of a player. It's a bit of a horses for courses with this position. Um you know, there's a world where people sort of talk themselves into uh, Petrarca playing a bit more forward. Is that good for Oliver? Um, you know, he's still 25 years old, like still in the prime and his career might be still improving. Um, he's had a thumb surgery thing in the off-season and, and had a slight interruptions because of that, but he'll be fine in my opinion. It's a pass to me just because I don't necessarily see the upside yep. um, there, but it's, it's a captain option if you're picking him. He's not necessarily someone you're picking with huge amounts of discount. Yeah. So. And when we're pa- I'm passing on Clayton Oliver as well. When we're passing on these guys, we're not saying that they that we don't we don't thing, want really. Yeah, we don't want them. We're not saying that we don't want them in our team spot come the end of the season. Yeah. Um but just to start with, yeah, preference. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next guy here, Tommy uh Mitchell, who is all the way down now at 12% yeah, yeah. ownership. <laughs> oh, how the uh, fallen. Yeah, what was he like 37, 38% yeah. at one point? I but, can't poo-poo it. I was on there. <laughs> yeah, we were both on there, but he's come out of both our teams and uh just with a few question marks. I know some people are still pushing back and saying now that he's unique, maybe you want to go there, oh, okay. but yeah. I still think that you're not going to see it more the scary too. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see the ceiling of a Tom Mitchell that we've seen in the past and if you go in for a unique you want someone who has that ceiling yeah. that could make people regret passing on him. Yeah. And I don't think Tom Mitchell presents that in a team like Collingwood. Um so for me whilst he's at a good price point um I think he's more of a 100 player now yep. than a 105, which I would need him to be. So for me, he's a pass. Yep. The the Pendlebury um, quote scared me off most with that yeah, one. Yeah, the Pendles quote. Uh, I also think that in the most recent practice game, we saw him use more as an inside mid and Dacos use less as an inside mid. Yeah. I think that that could also have potential to change a little bit throughout the season. Say he is getting tagged off halfback. You move Dacos into the midfield and yeah. get him off that tag. I think that there was some quotes saying that they didn't want to show their cards in regards to that. So for me, the the second practice game looked better, but I still think that it maybe is somewhere in between the first one and the second one. <laughs> yep, agreed. Jackie Steele, yeah. 10% owned. Your boy now, with the buzz cut. So this is where I go, okay, this guy's now getting more and more unique. You see his moustache in the captain's photos yeah, too? Yeah, very, very cool-looking moustache. It looks good, yeah. It looked um, mm, seedy. <laughs> seedy. <laughs> Which old. all good moustaches should. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. Uh, that, that's got equal points along with the buzz cut. Like, you can't be looking like that. <laughs> hey, we can and, sell it to uh, ourselves like, <laughs> yeah. with the best of them. Look, a lot of people have jumped off maybe with that poor score in the practice match games. And I think this is where a few narratives are going to come into the players as to why a lot of my players are unique. So he is currently in my team. He is, however, probably one of the guys that I'm playing around with, just like you with you were talking about Sheed in terms of cash. Yeah. So I probably prefer finding cash going maybe a steal down to a cheaper premium mid than going a Sheed down to a, a cheaper mid-pricer. Um, so he's a probable for me. 
but by no means is he locked in. It is kind of like what you were saying before, depending on the rucks. So if I need more money to get my ruck up to something up better, I think that steal down to a Bont or a um, Josh Kelly type is going to be the, the play that I do. But I, if I want a very solid captain option, I think Steele is still the player for me. I'm not worried about his preseason match. Um, I think he's going to be fine. Um, like we sort of preach in the preseason, don't look at scores when it's your premium, you know, one of the best midfielders in the game. You just need to see him get out there, be healthy. Um, he's got his CBAs. He had the same role. So don't overthink this one, in my opinion. Yeah, that's it. If it yeah, if you were to get off him, it wouldn't be a reactionary thing. It would just be a structure thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you um, are you interested in the Man of Steel at all this uh, season? Possible at this stage, but more likely to go with um, uh, like a Baz Bond, Kelly, yeah. LTU. A little bit line. cheaper, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next guy here, which I skipped over. Uh, Took Miller at 11%. So Took Miller, who hasn't played a preseason game, preseason game has more ownership than a Jack Steele, uh, which to me is that's textbook reacting to scores to me. So you got someone who poured... Like, which would you rather? A player come in, have the role that you expect them to have, score poorly, or a guy miss both preseason games because he's got a hamstring strain? Uh, who would you rather? I'm taking the guy that doesn't have a hamstring strain and didn't, and uh, you know actually played both preseason games every day of the week. But ownership... But have, but have you seen Took's rig? Oh, he's got a great rig. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Maybe that's what 11% of people are thinking. This guy is an Adonis. Yeah, Get him nah, in my Don't team. worry. He's got hamstrings of steel. Uh, look, I don't think you can pick two. Um, I, was that a this is, pun? Was that an intended pun? The hamstrings of steel? Or? No, I didn't. That was completely by accident. Unintentional. Yeah, nice. Unintentional. Um, yeah, I just don't think you can pick two. He's... You know, we talk about interrupted preseason. This is the rule. This is the rule. Quintessentially yeah, yeah, right here. It Expensive is. player, captain option. You want him to be cherry ripe going to the season. Yeah. When you've got these interruptions, that to me is an automatic line through. So yeah, Took's likely to be a top eight midfielder, but you're not starting a guy that hasn't played in the preseason. Yeah, I'm hoping he comes out slow and, and starts with some mm. poor scores, and we can jump straight on. Definitely. Uh, a couple of rookies here. We'll go through a little bit quicker. Matty yeah. Roberts and Oliver Hollands, two midfielder bench options. Hollands is a bit more cheaper. Sorry, a bit more expensive, and yeah. Matty Roberts is at the 200k. Yeah, I think that if Matty Roberts is there round one and he's not the sub, I might go there, but it's nerve wracking. Um, yeah, I think he, I just don't know about Holland's job security anyway, and you're paying a bunch more. It's tough. I don't know what I'm going to do with this like M10 position because there's not a whole lot of great options out there that I see at the moment. Um, yeah, I'd go Roberts over Holland's. Um, just for the price. Yeah, and I think he, he's got a little ped- bit of pedigree down there at the Swans. I think he's he looked good. <clears throat> extremely highly rated. Um, I think he came Papley out... Papley and Mills are going to come back in. Yeah, that's it. Uh, look, yeah, it, like you said, we're, we're a bit light on for choice there, aren't we? So it's a way to see a lot of these guys. Yeah. But let's just call them possibles, I guess. Yeah, I think they're both possibles for me. Um, yeah. yeah. To me, the only thing I will say, I just wanted to touch on this rookie thing for real quick. Remember the price of a rookie, and particularly on your bench... The, the job of a player on your bench is to make you money. Yeah. And if they're starting at a cheaper price tag, it is much easier for them to make you money. So yeah. a guy priced at 200K versus a guy priced at 300K, the guy priced at 200 only has to average, again, I'm pulling this out of my ass, but like they have to, have to average maybe like 50 to do the same thing that a guy priced at 300 has to do when he's averaging like 60, if yeah. that makes sense. So always take into consideration that price, and this is why, for the most part, we go cheaper on those uh, bench guys. But job security is something we do need to consider. The Bont, 8% owned. 
Um, he is probable for me. Very I'm, probable. I'm very keen on the bot this mm. season. He has been my solution from a Tom Mitchell. So he Tom Mitchell occupied bot spot previously in my team. Um, so I've actually gone up to a bot. Yeah. But um, all the talk is Brownlow bot this year. Um, we looked at your midfield yesterday. You got a bunch of cue balls in there this year. Some cue balls. Cue balls. Shaved head, have you not? Oh, heard yeah, that sorry, no, I haven't heard I guess Cue Ball's like fully shaved, but. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, a bunch of buzz cuts and, and yeah. bald heads, yeah, and then you got Baz Smith there with his flowing mullet just to. Mix yeah, it up. yeah, just like the big stare down. <laughs> yeah, hey. yeah. Did you but, see that um, Petrarca has said that he'll, I think he'll grow a mullet if the Bulldogs win a granny or something like that? What? I, I saw, I think I saw on Twitter. So that random as. Yeah, yeah, because I think he and Bailey Smith must have been chatting or something. Oh, and, okay, and okay, so okay. Yeah, someone yeah. can clarify that for all us, right, but I'm pretty right. sure I'd love to see oh, track with the I mullet. I would love to see that, Imagine yeah. That. His, yeah, he's rig running around with a mullet falling down the back. <laughs> uh, but to me, Bont is someone that traditionally we think of as a super coach player, but he has had stretches as a beast AFL fantasy player. Mm. He... A lot of talk was in the preseason, oh, sorry, in the season last year, at the start of the year, where he had a few niggles, a couple of shoulder things going on, um, and his scores sort of suffered. He ended up getting that forward status because he was playing that forward role. I think this year, if he's healthy to start the year and he's, you know, they've lost Dunkley, I think he's going to be the benefit. They've got a few more bigger forward targets. He's going to play that inside mid role a bit more predominantly, and he's a bloody gun. Like, oh, I think it's. It's all lined up for him to be the Brownlow favourite this year. Yeah, so. well, you, that's that's your um, that's your call is Brownlow. <laughs> I think I think he's yeah. my Brownlow call to yeah. start the year. So um, yeah. he's in my fantasy side. I think he and uh, Josh Kelly are similar in the fact that I think everyone in the fantasy community knows that if they get high CBAs, that they yeah. they could be one ten guys. Um, I mean, Kelly's shown that previously, um, and. Bontempelli, Kelly, it kind of rhymes. This I, could I be like that. This could be <laughs> you know last next to each other. last year we had the Brayshaw Kelly split. They were very similar price. Yeah, Brayshaw went on to absolutely nail it. This could be the call this year. Bont and Kelly. Kelly's in there again, um, ironically, <laughs> but you know similar price point. You know, are you going both? Are you going one over the other? Like, what's your what's your gut feel? I'm so tempted to go both. Hey, yeah, I, I don't, am too. I don't know why. I'm still Bont at, over Kelly at the moment. Yeah, I, I know. I know you're bond over care. Uh, orange and blue kind of look good next to each other. They do. Is that, yeah, is that a I, weak justification? <laughs> look, I I consider it too having them both in there. Um, but this is the sort of the price point that you can really make a big splash. And to me, it would not surprise me at all if Bont comes out and just absolutely smashes it at the start of the year. Yeah, he's the kind of guy that can just go crazy. So, um, is yeah. every chance I start with both. Yeah, I like Bont this year. Let's move on to the next guy here. Who have we got? George Wardlaw. Um, don't think he's going to get a game to start round one. Yeah, he's um, very high. Maybe priced. he's a, a, a placeholder. I don't mind him as a placeholder because he's a bit more expensive. So yeah. it's an easy swap over to like a Hollands if he gets named or something like that. So, But I don't think he's going to be there. No. Uh, we'll move on from him. Yep, pass. LDU. 6%. I was shocked to open my laptop this morning and not find him in the locks category when you did this list. Well, he was the other one. It was he and she that, for me personally, I think are locks. <laughs> like, I'm telling you guys, this is this is the kind of the dude that I'm, I'm wanting to, to have in my side. He is plummeted in ownership percentage. I think he got as high as like 15% at one point. So after um, practice match one. Practice and then- <laughs> match one. And then we saw a score associated I'm with it. I'm telling you, it's human nature. You can say don't look at the scores until the cows come home, but everyone will we be look swayed at the by scores, the scores. Man. Yeah, his role was 
perfect. It was like eighty percent CBAs, ninety percent time on ground, like eighty five percent CBAs, like just the perfect role. Absolutely everything we saw at the back half of last year when he went one hundred and five. Uh, you know, comes up against the Eagles in round one. You know, just, so just juicy, juicy, eh? juicy, juicy. Um, <laughs> so to me, he is locked into my side. He is the one, probably the most expensive player in my midfield that I will lock away. The other three are a little bit more, you know, moving around. But LDU, just yeah. lock him in my side. I, I think that, yeah, I'd, I'd much rather. And if it fails, if it doesn't go well, you go down to a green or something like that. If they pop, you've got a few different ways you can go that way. That's Maybe true. up to a Kelly or or whatever the case may be. But he he's in a, just a beautiful price tag for me. Did you see that um, video that came out of Clarko like falling off his chair, but the, the team was oh, on the, like, yeah. in the background was, or something? Where was, was he in I the didn't middle? pay attention to where LDU no. was, but I, I'm guessing he was... Like, I'm sure he was, but like, even if he's not, like, say, you know, it's just a rotation. I wonder like. if somebody got in a bit of hot water for that. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> pretty... Somebody putting something funny on Twitter. I, lo- and... I love the sleuths out there on Twitter, finding shit like yeah, that. Like, that's yeah. just great. That's, <laughs> that's great sourcing uh, from the, the Twitter, Twitter people out there. Uh, all right, so for me, he's locked in. Is he locked in for you? Yeah. Yeah? Not so confident. It wasn't, it wasn't a confident lock, was it? No. Oh, man. I, To make money, I've been looking at those four mids that I've got in there. I'm like, who would I take out? And I don't want to take any of them out. So I think LDU is as good as a lock. Yeah. I can't I can't sit next to you for the last three months. And, and not, if I have him, he goes off cat. and you don't have oh, him. I'll, I'll hear about it. Hey. So <laughs> I think I've caught the disease. I'm on. Yeah. Look, some people are worried about the curse, the Dossie curse. He, oh, he, the Dossie curse. <laughs> he appeared in the... It could be the Mitch curse now as well. It if, could if be, he, yeah. Jeez, yeah. yeah. I've got I've got the, the power now on the podcast platform, but... Um, <laughs> the power. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the, the curse has already showed itself. Parrish was in the song as well. He had a stinker on the weekend. You know, LDU had the, the, poor, the poor score, but Pre-season I'm hoping course. that because the song was about Doss and he was just a little mention... It was just a little little flag in the preseason, and, and the curse will wear off now. Uh, so we'll see. Um, next couple of guys, we'll, I'll kind of combine them two together. Uh, Patrick Cripps and Lockie Neal both at 7% ownership. Nothing about their circumstances changed. Nothing about it? their circumstances have changed. They're number one tag targets. They're better footballers than fantasy footballers, yeah. in my opinion. So and I mean, for Neal, there's probably even less ball in the midfield. Uh, now, I actually so. think both of these guys have room to regress. Yeah. In fact, I'm predicting both of them to regress from last year. Yeah. Uh, both had really good seasons, and I don't see them improving. So uh, often I that's the case with a guy pass. that that a lot of people had last year is a bit of a breakout. So a lot of people started with both of these guys last year, and they were they were really yeah, good absolutely. as starting yeah. picks. And then often that next we, year, comes yeah, around we fall in love with them, and yeah, we want them on that side them, again. Would you, so uh, let's let's <laughs> also combine these next two picks: Josh Kelly and Bailey Smith. I think both are probable for my side. Bailey Smith probably more so than Kelly, but. I'd be I'd be floored if you didn't start with Bailey Smith after I've everything. I've kind of stopped I'm, mentioning him a little bit, but surely he's a lock for you. Yeah, look, he's ticked gonna, everything that I wanted to do. There's, you're just going to walk back into the hedges. You're going to like drop all this Bailey Smith content <laughs> and then not start with him. No, look, I think he's he's definitely he hasn't left my side really. I have experimented with getting him down to a Josh Kelly just to make that tiny bit of extra cash if I need to. With so rookies. that would be in a scenario when you had Steel at M1. Yeah, yes. So, so say I want to keep Steele as a... Yeah, and, and I wanted to go Smith down. Uh, it doesn't make me a whole lot of cash is the kind of the thing that... that yeah, okay. It doesn't fix a lot of issues. So yeah. most of the times then it's a steal down and that makes me nearly that 100K, mm. which I can do a bit more of. So for me, Bailey Smith, again, um, I think he's he's probable in my side. I'm not going to go as high as I say as a lock like Sheed and 
um, LDU, but he is quite probable to be in my side. I just think that we saw in the practice match, um, CBAs were up. A lot of people panicked with him starting full forward. Uh, the word full forward was used, so we all freaked out there. But he's, he's been hovering at 6% anyway so for most of the season, so I think those who are on and in the know, the guys listening to this podcast, <laughs> if you're on the ride, let's, let's stay on, guys. Let's go. Yeah, a lot of these guys starting in my midfield are... Uh Lowly owned, not lowly yeah. owned, but in the context of some of these really highly owned midfielders. Is yeah, it is interesting. But also, I don't know how much, like I said before, I don't know how much I trust these numbers. Because if you're just a, a person who's coming in and, and this is your first night fantasy, Probably you really don't, don't know your ass from your yeah. elbow, you're just kind of like, oh yeah, this guy went really well last year. Boom, put him well, in. Well, if you are, guys, and you're just listening to this podcast for the first time, pick Belly Smith. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want his numbers to go up, do you? Nah, but if you're new, you're not going to be competing with me anyway. <laughs> oh, oh, the arrogance. Oh, my God. Mitch's nah, head's just exploded yeah, for just, those people listening. He's not going to be able to fit out the door now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Nah, all right. But nah, you pick Belly Smith, and you might have a good time, I reckon. Uh, what about Josh Kelly? He's He's been your boy this preseason. He has been. He's been and, like and, one um, of you're my convincing only boys. Me, I'm, I'm, I, look, I was on there last year and it didn't go so well for me last year but yeah, the role, a gun. the role that I saw on the weekend was what I really liked and even some, some word coming out that um, you know he, he's going to be a bit of an inside midfielder he's going to see a lot more CBAs than he did last year I think most people in the fantasy community would acknowledge that if Josh Kelly is in there for sort of 60% CBAs that he's going to be a big scorer and he has actually shown that in the past as well. So yeah. um, for me, I'm, I'm fully reliant on the role. Uh, he's the kind of guy can that... You, can you trust the role that you saw in the preseason? Just because it's the preseason. Stays there the whole season. Uh, that's my only that's, concern. That's your question. Yeah, look, there, there is that concern. I think that... There is some flexibility with picking a guy at that price too. So let's say I pick him and in the first two rounds it becomes clear that that um, the role's not there, then maybe, like you said, I could go down to a guy who I see is popping, mm. whether it's like a Tom Green or something mm. like that. Um, you're not completely left out in the lurch. It's not necessarily a trade that you want to waste and make, but we do have a fair few trades in fantasy that you, you could correct that one reasonably easily. Yeah. Whereas if he comes out and he goes 120, 120, yeah, then you might not be able to. The thing that holds me back from a Josh Kelly is two things. One, the certainty of role. Yeah. And two, the game style change from what they used to be doing at the Giants yeah. to what we expect to, to be now. doing on the Giants now. So that holds me back, and that's what makes him sort of like, I've got four players fighting for three spots. It's Kelly, Smith, Bont, and Steele. Yeah. And right now, Kelly is the guy that, if I can choose my perfect three, he's the guy I'm missing at the, the moment. least likely. And it's just because of that, you know, say he got 60% CBAs in the past and that made him a 110 player. Yeah. In this system, does that make him a 107 guy? Do you know, just like that little bit Tiny off. Tiny little bit. Um, and then again, there's that risk. And I don't know, I'm not sure if it's because he just didn't do it well for me last year. And, <laughs> and I'm, I feel a little bit more confident because obviously a different coach. I don't expect him to come in and say, make the same mistakes that they were doing last year. Um, I feel like if you come out and you're the new coach, you, you put people in their role and you keep them there. You know, like it's that's how you're going to start yeah. to to get your team off to a flyer. But there is just that little bit of question marks in the on back the, of my mind. Yeah, and that question mark you have on the game plan is an interesting one as well because the game plan we're referencing is what we think it could be like a Richmond game plan, but then we're all picking a guy like Taranto who is literally going into the Richmond game yes. plan. And but we're saying he's Taranto, priced at ninety five and he's a forward. 
Yeah, so, okay, so let's, yeah. like, yeah, eliminate the forward status. He's, I mean, he's 50k cheaper, so it's, yeah, it's a little bit... Well, who bit. do you think's a better player t- in terms of fantasy producers? Um, Taranto or Kelly? I think if you went back and asked me that question in, what was the year that Kelly just went bananas? Was it 2019 or something 17, like that, yeah. I think that they could both be the same calibre of fantasy scorers. So, at, at the moment, I'd probably say Taranto, but I think, you know, if you go back and you think about Kelly's best seasons. His best seasons were good. Yeah, they like, were. They were. But, yeah. He's a gun. Oh, just, I understand your concerns. That's my hesitation. I do understand I'm, splitting, your I'm splitting hairs, are, and, and yeah. this is sort of like the last kind of decision I've got to yeah. make for my team. And so I just wanted to get your thoughts on those kind of things, and, and I know you might have a similar kind of decision to make as well. So yeah. um, for those who you are considering, that's just my thought process on those kind of players. who are very similarly priced, yeah. very similar upside, um, and you've just got to find yeah. one. So I, Look, I would say I have more concerns on Kelly than I do Bontempelli as well, to yeah. be honest. Um, but I, I think I'm pretty likely to start with both of them. Yep. Uh, let's maybe just rattle off a few of these other guys. Um, none of them are really going to make my side, so all of them are passes, but Zach Merritt at 5%, Christian Pachaka at 5%, Chad Warner at 5%, Caleb Sarong at 5%, and Giant Newcomb at 4%. So a couple of big dogs there in Merritt. Pachaka is a little bit on the cheaper side, but some people see upside. I, like I said, I don't really see the upside there with the potential increase in forward responsibility. He's a gun. He yeah. will still have big games, but on a week-to-week consistent basis, I can't trust it. Merritt could be big again. If I think Merritt could be a good point of difference. for pe- if, if people want to pick him, they're an Essendon fan, they like watching Merritt, and he has, he has a new coach, yep. and they do a little bit of chipping Chip around. Mark, yeah, he's- uh, he could go enormous, and he could be a, a point of difference. Uh, I, I won't be going there, but... Um, you know, yeah, it, it could work out really well for you. Yeah, he's got ceiling, so obviously anyone who has ceiling could be a great pick at the start of the season if they just start with that ceiling straight off. Yes, um, so yeah. I, I, yeah, I probably agree with you. I probably uh, rather merit over Petrarca. Um and then some of those other guys, Warner, Sarong, and Newcomb are all in that kind of like Tom Green. Uh, price tag area and the, re- the ownership re- uh, is reflecting the way I think about it I think that Tom Green is the guy and is the pick of all of those guys Chad Warner I think has been hit a little bit with the um, ascension of Errol Goulden yeah. I think that hurts him Caleb Sarong is an interesting one um, kind of some people are saying that he's following the trajectory of a Brayshaw I just don't see him as the class and quality of player that a Brayshaw is. And so, you know, people point to his time on ground increasing, which is the same sort of thing for a Brayshaw. I think that Sarong could come out and be better. But again, similar to what I was arguing about Tom Green, is it 105 better? No, in my opinion. So I think he's sort of still that 90s kind of a guy. So not too keen on that. And then John Newcomb, you're just playing for the Hawks, and even if you're the number one centre bounce midfielder, to be a 105 averaging guy in that type of a team, it's just a big, big ask, and it's, it's probably not something we can ask John Newcomb, who's still a young player, to do. So, for me, all of those guys are passes. Uh, yourself? Yeah, I'm the same, and for the same reasons. Yeah. All right. Well, that will um, that will probably do it for us today, guys. We've got one more um, one more thing here before we uh, go on to. And our camera's just cut off, so apologies if you're watching over on YouTube. Um, but we uh, have one more episode to go before the season starts, which is uh, just around the corner. So we're going to go through our rucks and probably also in that podcast talk about um, the layout for the in-season podcast platforms yeah. moving forward. So um, stay tuned for that one there, guys. If you are enjoying, uh, make sure you guys give the video a big thumbs up and we will catch you guys next time. Laters. Laters.